All right, we are back. Inappropriate Earl. A tired inappropriate Earl because last night on Roast Battle there were eight battles. Well, seven because uh, one guy flaked out. Uh, it's a cold business. Uh, but if you're going to uh, book a battle, especially now with uh, television executives coming every week, uh, probably smart to show up for said battle. But I don't like to give career advice because I'm probably uh, the worst person in the world to uh, give career advice to. By the way, coming uh, up soon on Inappropriate Earl, Russell Peters, literally the world's most famous comic being interviewed by the least known famous comic. So it's a nice uh, bookend there. Thank you, Russell. We're going to talk about Kiss and all that shit. We have a love for Kiss. Vinnie Vincent, uh, Ace Frehley and the like. Uh, but today we have a, you know, I don't have a lot of guests come back because, you know, you, you burn through an episode, you pretty much figure out everything and, you know, you don't have a lot to talk about and uh, nothing beats dead air on a podcast than a boring guest this man is not boring and he certainly talks a lot which is the ultimate guest to have because then i can be lazy and take instagram pictures of him uh mid podcast the great tony bartoloni is back it's our job right to talk well yeah i mean but a lot of podcast guests uh you know no matter uh if it's this podcast, Marin's, Rogan's, uh, or some kid in his basement, you know, every now and then you'll have a guest who doesn't want to talk or, you know, they don't uh, have a lot of interesting things to yeah. say. Did you hear that uh, Marin, um, he had that actor on, Jesus Christ, I'm Marty. I'm already not knowing who the fuck. He had Jesus Christ on? He had Sun Jesus Christ, superstar. Sunset Kevin? <laughs> no. Um, he had a uh, fuck. He's a character actress actor. He's in um that Sam Shepard movie, uh, Paris, Texas. He's the lead in Paris, Texas. Uh, I I don't know who you're talking about. He's but an old man now. He's in like a million movies. He oh. mostly mostly playing character roles. Hold on, while you're he talking, has, I'm he looking. He has three it up. names. Uh, anyone want to tweet us? <laughs> I don't know. This uh, unfortunately, this is not a live podcast. <laughs> yeah, so uh, if you want to tweet who this <laughs> is, the episode will be out. Uh, don't tweet me. Should we leave it a mystery? Uh, no. So the, the movies, fan? Paris, Texas. Yeah. Have uh, you seen that? Uh, I don't see a lot of movies. It's a great, great movie, I think. I think it was a made-for-TV movie, if I'm not mistaken. But it's... Uh, Okay, uh, we oh Harry Dean Stanton, Harry Dean Stanton, a legendary, and, and he just wouldn't talk, you know. What a great cast we've got! Uh, Harry Dean Stanton, Dean Stockwell, who is like if you're a fan of '70s to '90s movies, you know he's the. It's very much like a '70s movie. Quintessential. Uh, I know that guy's face, but who's the chick name. in that? And Natasha Kinski, uh, who was uh, when I was a kid, she was hot. And she still is. Uh, yeah. And then uh, let's see a couple other actors I don't know. But uh, yeah, you can get boring. Like Harry Dean Stanton, you think. I mean, this man. Well, it was, I thought it was fascinating, but Marin uh, was like really insecure about how it went because he didn't talk a lot. But see, I'm the, like, I'm certainly not Mark Marin in any yeah. capacity. Although the other night at the comedy store, someone took a picture with me said i'm your biggest fan and he was very enthusiastic and i'm like uh i'm a complete nobody but <laughs> thank you 
uh, about five minutes later, someone comes out to me and goes, hey, Earl, I don't mean to burst your bubble, but uh, that guy thought you were Mark Maron. <laughs> That's a weird, uh, like, I don't think you look like him that much. I mean, it's just like hair, an older... Facial hair and, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't either, but, uh, you know, so I... <laughs> my night was like on level 10 and then five minutes later well at least two. at least people you're to the level where you're getting mistaken for uh great comedians <laughs> no, yeah, that's un- that was one of my favorite uh, roast battle moments with uh cory uh cory sharon is that how you say his name the rap battler one uh, of the greats <laughs> yeah he well he's the, his second battle he took that second battle dip which it's nice to know that he's not invincible. Uh, because I think uh, he had... Now, I've seen every battle yeah. three years. I don't know how... You're smarter than I am. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how many battles that is every week, 52 weeks a year. Yeah, there's, I'm not going to do the math. I Probably. just say I just say a million. I just go straight for a million. There's been at least a million battles. <laughs> three, it seems like that at times. Yeah. Three years, uh, you know, probably on average five battles a week. So that's, uh, you, you know, close to a thousand battles. Uh, yeah, yeah, years. I would say a thousand, yeah. Uh, that's what I said last time I was here. Right. And, and, uh, In the thousands. Time just stands still on this podcast and roast battle. But Corey Sharon, uh, legendary uh, Ottawa uh would you say rap battler? Rap, rap battler. Uh, had probably... King of the Dot. He's amazing. Yeah. And, and probably the best debut battle I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, that might be true. He did bring a lot of people, too. Not that he didn't do well, but there was like... He had his hype crew, for sure. But, I mean, I remember when he asked Moses in the parking lot, hey, I'd like to do this battle. I think I can beat anyone. And I'm like, that's a lot of balls to say. Right, right? yeah. Uh, and... I think Moses was like, "Okay, you think he?" But can do the this? moment, the moment uh, that got me is when Jabbar he said, um, he said uh, he called him Slave Chappelle, whatever that joke was, and then uh, and then Jamar goes, "Yes, I am often compared to great people." <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, Jamar's like, yeah, uh, unbelievable. Well, I love Jamar because he doesn't give a fuck. Um, which, you know, worked to his disadvantage in that battle. And then he came back with his next battle and made up for it, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's... Like, but he just doesn't... He just has this air of, like, I don't fucking care. And part of... I think part of that is he grew up in, in Compton, you know? And, like, when you're fucking... When you get out of Compton in a situation where you feel you could be shot any day of your life, you know? You really don't give a fuck because you know, you know, you could die. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, I had a gay comic friend of mine who battled, and he didn't do very well. And uh, I, you know, I was consoling him after the battle. It's like Earl, I've been fucked in the ass with no lube. Uh, this was fine. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my 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 line is uh, my dad died when I was a, when I was seven. You can't hurt me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you, you know, experience personal trauma in your life, but then, but honestly, it's more like my my dad died when I was seven. I'm very sensitive. Like, don't 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 hurt my feelings. You know, it's that's much more true. Yeah, I'm I actually mean, weaker for the experience. But I mean, in terms of roast battle, but it works both ways. Yeah, I mean, you're right. My parents died two months apart. Like, I know, you know, if you can go through something like that, or 
you know, a few roast battlers have been raped and all that stuff. Uh, it's interesting, too. So what I like about stand-up is no one, you're always one bad set away from wanting to quit, I think. And I think that's true of everyone. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I... And uh, if you, you look at someone like Steve Martin who walked away from it, you know, uh, it, yeah, it makes total sense to anyone who's done comedy, I think. Well, it's always like in someone like Steve Martin's case or... You know, I always Eddie to, Murphy, Eddie Murphy, Rob Schneider. Like he started out as a stand-up, and then he basically got famous pretty fast. And it's like you know, on Saturday Night Live. But then movies. that 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 calmed down, and he went back to it, right? Yeah, but I mean, like I think it's like when you start out as a stand-up, and you start getting these, you know, I don't know what what Rob made on SNL, but I'm sure at the time it was you know a nice amount. Uh, is it why why play a weekend at the jacksonville chocolate hut when i'm making you know yeah a hundred grand a week or whatever you know have you read uh steve martin's book i haven't i'm i'm horrible at actual reading <laughs> yeah uh, i i have to you do, should read more earl well i have to do audiobooks i yeah. listen to hundreds i of hate audiobooks. i hate those uh because for me reading okay so so I being a human being is a, a pretty wonderful and horrible thing because you get to you use your uh, your imagination and you get to think about things and uh it, you can imagine awful things but it's 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 that's I for me that's the magic of being alive and um we get to words are fucking a beautiful form of magic you know uh, the fact that you could uh, make like you could paint a picture with words and when you're when you're doing stand-up you want to paint a picture uh, and get the audience to see your picture but everyone sees a different picture now reading takes that a step further because you're reading it in your voice you know so it's unfiltered imagination it's uh and when you when you listen to audiobook you have the person reading it you have their interpretation going into your head Instead, no, you're of, right. instead of your own imagination being free, you know. I'd be a little uh, freaked out if I was listening to a Tony Robbins audiobook read by me. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm a pretty negative thinking person. <laughs> no, but yeah, it just, I, I don't know, like, it's it's almost like getting to live in someone else's shoes for a little bit. No, you're right. I yeah. just, you know, I, I would almost think I could make money as a negative thinking speaker. <laughs> would that play that out? for me uh you know hey guys welcome to the uh tony bobbins uh <laughs> negative thinking uh seminar uh you, you all have dreams ambitions hopes desires goals and uh, i just want you to realize that uh, none of you are going to accomplish any of them so quit <laughs> it'd be a the first five minute seminar yeah that'll be four hundred dollars yeah uh i'm jewish it'll be a lot more than that yeah right. uh by the way i watch this uh documentary on netflix if if you're not a tony robbins fan and a lot of people aren't yeah. just in, of self-help people in general uh you'll almost become a fan of his i think i think he's he's kind of a genius uh a, a kind of genius that i would never want to be but what he does is he takes these really complex uh ideas and melts them down and makes them palatable for I mean, basically, I don't know what else to say, but stupid people, <laughs> um, people who are lost or people who need guidance and like me, which like almost take as an insult, you know, and maybe most, maybe that's why people are 
have an aversion to it because it's like somebody else telling you what to do or well, I mean, I was brought up in a somewhat negative household. I mean, I love my parents. You yeah. Know, they were awesome. But uh, they were, uh, especially my mom was uh, kind of like, everyone's out to get you. Everyone's out to fuck you over. Um, I mean, she was the yeah. best, but like she wasn't Tony Robbins. Let's put it that way. Right. So I grew up. That's interesting. My grandfather always would tell me like the power of positive thinking. And then he, then the next second he would be like, everyone's trying to steal from you. <laughs> you know, like I was like, which is it? You know, but well, I guess I mean, it's both. Well, especially in comedy though. Like I, I've talked about this. Almost everyone has been on this couch. Like there's so many, uh, you know, uh, Palmers, I call them like, you know, they're being nice to you because they think they can get something from you. And like, you know, you see it with roast battle a lot, like, you know, the better battlers, people are up their ass and because they want to battle them. So they're, uh, yeah, you know, status I, is right. I hate that shit. I really do. I like, I, and that's like, that's, I think online, I kind of troll people. I'll go and just, I mean, I'll just say shit. Like, it's like being a teenager, you know, when you used to just, your friend would say something and you'd be like, that's gay, dude, or uh, that's, or you're an idiot, you know, I just go through and I see a status that I don't like. And I'll say, or one of my friends, the status that I do like is just like, like, you're an idiot, or that's gay. Because I'm like, I don't know, it's, it's just like. Like, did you make this because, did you write this because it's a truth that you believe or a thought that amused you? Or are you just trying to f network, you know? Yeah, I know. The, on, the online networking is unbelievable. Uh, you know. And I see through it and I hate it, um, but it's like, it's almost like you have to do something, you know, you can't. I think, I think the greatest tragedy in humanity is that we... We, everyone wants to reach out and connect and we just miss each other constantly because, uh, because, and I think it's, it has a lot to do with our intentions. You well, know? I mean, especially in the entertainment business, comedy, right. stand up specifically, it's a selfish business. Like you, obviously you're out for yourself. You're trying to make it as a, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that it has to be, you know, I think, I think the main thing, if you could fucking get, if you boil it down to a product, like what is our product in comedy? What are we giving people? What are we selling people? Well, I'm selling them negativity, but, <laughs> but I don't like, think, I don't think that's true. I mean, but you because should. what you're selling is like a critique of the world or like how you were wronged by the world. But you saying that in a funny way is making people happy. Right. It's like, because they relate to it. Yeah. And like, you know. so that's not that's not negativity. That's it's it's like a slanted negativity that is actually positive. You well, know? yeah, it's, it's like my even like my heckling character in roast battles. Yeah. On the surface, it's like overt racism, homophobia, but at the end of the day, it's almost I'm rallying against those things by saying right look because how you're dumb putting people. them out there. Yeah, look how and, dumb people and you're highlighting them. Yeah, you know, which I mean, which which is scary that people don't get that anymore. I mean, uh, uh, I think uh, I mean even last night I threw out a few uh, wacky 
you know, lines. I loved you and Costa going back and forth. I let me tell you. By the way, uh, www.michaelcosta.com. Dot org dot net uh, he dot is, edu yeah dot uh, you know uh, some of those wacky porn sites have like these letters backslash yeah uh, diagonal Costa University uh, that was so much pressure last night to be funny uh, when you look at the judges yeah you know um, Moshe Kasher uh, um, Michael Costa and uh tony hinchcliffe and uh, who was the i th- think the thing one time uh who's the third judge i'm blanking right now Mo- um, did you Moshe, say Moshe? michael uh shit um and, uh the great brent weinbach was uh was yeah behind Moshe. he's my favorite comic i think uh maybe of all time he's he's top probably top five uh, I love him so much. He's so fast. And well, part of it is it me. He means a lot to me personally, because I saw, I always knew what comedy could be, or uh, in like absurdity, and I just didn't know how to do it. And after I saw him, I just started going for it because I saw him do it so well. Uh, just like uh, weird, offbeat, but also there was like a craftsmanship to it like he his stuff is so well crafted and and it's silly and stupid but it's such it's such so refreshing at the same time I mean, you know so quick and so funny yeah. and like, have you seen his stand-up yeah oh he's uh whenever he's at the store i, I it's one yeah. of the few people i'll watch because it's always interesting you know um i don't know he just does it in such a specific different way i saw his one-man show um, SF sketch fest and, uh, it's called approaching main, the mainstream, right? We still didn't figure out the third judge, but, uh, I'm looking that up right, right now because yeah. I have ADD. Oh yeah, me too. Um, and it's just, it will bother me the rest of this podcast. If I cannot think of the third judge, um, I know it was supposed to be Eric Griffin, but, uh, it nope. was not, um, um, but yeah, Moshe and, and Michael Costa is like, you know yeah so funny and uh almost a character like right uh and let me see it was guy branham how could guy branham uh yeah the powerhouse who uh caused a little bit of controversy uh by slamming one of the roasters and uh, which which are you referring to said roaster was uh stormed off yeah you're not gonna say it i will not uh, why don't i just say it i don't no 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 i don't like to uh i don't give a fuck you know when they're not here i don't like to uh but for the first time in roast battle history as you know when moses takes a stage in between two battlers uh he gives the rules no street jokes no uh you know original written material and at the end of every battle we hug now like me and tony were just talking about there's been anywhere from say 700 to a thousand battles right let's say 800 every single battle i've seen every single battle they have hugged and now i've how many battles have you done five and have you hugged every opponent yeah I've done. I even uh, used it as a gimmick in my last one against the great and legendary Doug, Doug Fager. I've done eleven. Hashtag battles. fuck Fager. Yeah, uh, Doug Fager coming. He'll come on inappropriate. We'll get that happening. Uh, I've had eleven battles. I've hugged every single one, and trust me, I've not liked every single one of my opponents. <laughs> but you hug. It's just it's a sign of respect. Uh, it's a sign of like whether you win or lose. Good job. 
uh, and uh, guy got into it with one of the roasters throughout a zinger, and then uh, for the first time in roast battle history, the opponents last night did not hug. Yeah, um, and it's like, you know, I've said this before in varying degrees on roast battle. When you sign up for roast battle, you sign up for the full Monty. Like if you're battlers, I mean, nothing's off limits. You did jokes yeah. about Doug's Some, brother. Someone, someone got mad at me for the report recently. And I was just so like, it was infuriating because it's just like, you've, you've signed up for this, you know? Yeah. And and the judges made the same jokes. Do you think he went up to the judges and got mad at him? No. He's not going up to those guys. Well, I mean, like, you know, I think this particular roaster was, like, upset that guy called him ugly. And it's like, dude, you signed up for this, man. And Yeah, I don't know if that's the case, but, yeah, it's just... But, see, I do, because his only rebuttal was, I'm handsome, and then and he lost. Well, the other thing is you just have to not care you have to have fun up there you know? yeah i mean like that's it, the, the if, if it's not that it's nothing i mean guy slammed me you know when moses said uh um yeah earl, and it's like it's not like he's trying to hurt yeah know? it's a fucking most speller i think moses said earl why are you wearing a scarf he's setting me up for a line and i thought it would be funny if i said oh i'm coming out of the closet tonight and guy said well go back yeah Basically and that was saying, it was it was really funny but basically saying I'm ugly. Right, yeah. And I got it. Like We don't me. want you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when Guy Branham says no, you're not attractive. Uh, <laughs> but I, you know, I like, all right, I opened myself up. Yeah. It happens. So, you know. That's that's what I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, and roast battles, maybe something great about it that I haven't touched on yet is that it gives people the opportunity to, to get their uh to get that out of their system almost to get and i think facebook does it a little bit too you just people people are have hate in their heart i really believe that um if uh like one example i can think of is like the most um the nicest people in the world are southern people they're also the most racist people in the world you know they get it out they get that hatred out through racism and then they're the most polite generous people you'd ever meet that's why i sell out in the south (laughs) i can play theaters in the south Uh, yeah no uh but so that was a bit of a wild scene that happened. And then the main event was like an all-timer. <laughs> Just yeah. all kinds of rumor and innuendo. And like uh, the judges were, uh, you know, great. And uh, Joe Urell, the, uh, I don't want to say cripple comic, but like the comic who's in a wheelchair. I mean, I guess he is. Uh, yeah. He had a great back and forth with Hinchcliffe. And uh, it was like an all-timer last night. Yeah, it was good. Um, uh, no bad battles, really. No, I mean that's that's the thing now. Like even undercards now are like almost uh, main event, and you know the the two girls, uh, Jean Whitney and uh, Lindsay Jennings, uh, they had a great uh, main event, which is it's hard. A lot of, you know? a lot of pressure. <laughs> What's well, seven battles uh, before or six? One battle uh, canceled, uh, but you know it's six battles. You got to figure. Uh, People are a little tired by the time the main event rolls around. And, uh, I mean, the main event got some of the biggest laughs. Uh, both girls got big laughs, you know. I fired off, you know, 
maybe my biggest applause line ever up there, you know. What was it? Uh, uh, Lindsay, I, I don't know the exact, uh, Lindsay Jennings said something like, uh, I think one of the judges said she didn't know her dad. And Lindsay said uh, something to the effect of, I knew my dad. And I chimed in, well, who do you think fucked her? Uh, oh, who fucked her first? Yeah, yeah just uh, not like the most well-written line, but, you know. Yeah, it, it blew up. It, uh, Something else people don't understand, it, and it's crazy to me because we're in Hollywood, is if you look away a certain way, it doesn't matter if it's true or not. That's how you look. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Lindsay Jennings, for those of you, and she was just on the podcast, so I think most of you listen know who she is. Tattoos everywhere, a suicide girl. Yeah. Which I'm still not uh, sure what that is, uh, even though she tried to explain it to me. It's 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 like softcore porn star, basically, but with tattoos and hair color. Yeah, and then Lindsay's awesome. Like, you know, Lindsay is like the typical don't judge a book by their cover because... If you saw her, you think, ah, she's probably just a fucking whore or something. Because <laughs> uh, she, you know, sells her sexuality. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, last night specifically, she brought out the Lindsay Jennings pillow, which is right. a, uh, I guess, uh, erotic. A body uh, pillow. Body pillow where, you know, uh, it's Haiti. a silk pillow cover. <laughs> yeah, with uh, Lindsay's likeness on it. And I guess people buy these for. And by likeness, you mean tits. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, I, you know, when I got to know her, I was like, wow, she's the complete opposite of what I expected. So, you know, just, uh, Earl's lesson of the day is, uh, don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. So it's like most reality. If you ever pick up a book. Yeah. Well, I don't. If you don't judge an audio book by its cover. <laughs> uh, what are you on Instagram? I'm right now sending out a Tony tweet. Bartoloni. Oh, just, okay. I'm just. At uh, Tony Bartoloni. T-O-N-Y-B-A-R-T-O-L-O-N-E. Just trying to. Is that uh, you with the dog in the. Uh, no. <laughs> is it this one? The top one? Top one. Okay. I'm just trying to do a little yeah. in podcast promoting here. For sure. Uh, uh so uh so yeah i think i think we're uh as a people we try to reach out constantly right and comedy is a symptom of that right like people i mean what is comedy if not people just saying this is who i am you know please accept me yeah if uh you uh it reminds me of uh i'm obsessed with the show on showtime uh called gigolos and it's like the worst show ever but you can't help but watch it because it's about five gigolos who are in vegas they're, they're this doing... is male prostitutes yeah it's, not it's to be confused with juggalos but yeah oh my god that's that what one... I, that's exactly where my mind went uh but... i don't know i've been thinking i was a clown on halloween and i've been thinking about juggalos a lot for some reason some you know there used to be a show in la it was a real hot show on sunday nights at the knitting factory which is no longer uh yeah i think the one in new york is still around but the one in uh, la is gone but it was a very small room the size of the belly room but uh, they had a uh, knitting factory was it's kind of like the comedy store they had three rooms and the big room was like a concert hall and they had a uh juggalo uh convention in there one night and just all these people like coming into the comedy yeah. show and it's like, really interesting I, I i saw a documentary uh it was 30 minutes and it was one minute portraits or it's 31 minutes so there's like 31 juggalos and there's one of them where they just steal a car radio 
And I was like, and it was infuriating to me because I've had my stereo stolen back when I used to drive. I had my stereo stolen twice and it was the worst thing you can do to me. It's the, if you ever want to hurt me. Because you're a big music guy. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I use music like air, you know. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I need noise. That's what I say all the time. I need some noise, you know. Well, because uh, it... Uh Music can get you in a good mood, and like right, like when you write, like maybe right before you start writing. I think it might, uh, it might just be loneliness <laughs> that I, you know, the endless pit of loneliness in my soul. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's the weird thing about stand up is it's a lonely business, but yeah, mm -hmm. you're around people constantly. Yeah, there's that Janis Joplin line I made. I make love to 5,000 people and go home alone. Yeah, I mean, that's why a lot of those... Uh, it's got to be weird. Like, I'm a huge fan of the 80s metal bands. And, like, yeah. back in the day, they were the biggest bands in the world, selling out arenas. For, for like, a week, right? <laughs> I yeah. Mean, it didn't last long. I mean, it I mean, it was, it was, like, a few years, I know. Well, but, each band lasted, like, like the, a year or two. The stop was so abrupt with that i feel like well i think they uh they just didn't see it coming like yeah i think they i mean i was on the sunset strip in that era like you never really thought it was gonna end. have you heard paul Heyman talk about he uses it as like like allegorical for like uh ecw right uh where he said like i th he's like wrestling was like music where it became you know freely like a boas like you know hulk hogan rick flair very and cartoony like ultimate warrior you know it's just like over the top cartoony bright colors and then they came along and just pushed that out and he said it was like hair metal and then they were nirvana well i think uh <laughs> yeah i mean that's pretty accurate i mean yeah. Uh, I mean, ECW was uh, definitely much more violent than any uh, organization I'd ever seen before. Yeah. Like, they were basically, uh, for the most part, real wrestling matches. <laughs> like, I mean, no, but... Violence-wise. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They were... They were. It was fucking crazy. You know, like, you had the fucking... That's, that's my favorite shit, too. Like, I liked early ECW, but even yeah. they, they kind of started to, like, you know, get a little, like... Uh, I mean, they never got, like, polish like wwe but like those first couple years but even ECW. even like just like showing backstage like right. like they it was like what the fuck like they just broke broke down some sort of barrier that they it's it, you know pulled the curtain back it was incredible <laughs> i mean that to the see violence was just like vic grimes falling off a fucking and look but look at the Im the impact of it is amazing because there is a small company and it's just like when when something becomes a monopoly the competition becomes more unique you yeah. know and that you know you, you know during that time uh, it was a couple of years before the monday night wars but you know still wrestling was uh, in a weird the early 90s it was kind of in a weird spot like it was still big but not nearly as big as the 80s yeah. you know hogan was kind of fading warrior was like the maybe that's uh in retrospect we could say that about roast battle 
that comedy has become uh, kind of nice and uh, apologetic and then roast battle just takes it back down to its roots of just yeah i've just like you know one-on-one violent. anything goes yeah like we're the anti-alt well because like you say alt i don't know that you're it's such a fucking diluted term now because i like alt comedy and to me like what what actual alt is is like brent weinbach but that's what I love about Roast Battle yeah. is like it brings like I I I don't know if he's considered an alt comic, but Moshe to me yeah. is an alt comic. Yeah, probably yeah. And like he loves Roast Battle. Brent yeah. Weinbach loves Roast Battle. Well, the thing is, there's no definite. There's no you can't define it. Yeah, because an alt comic can do it. Like right, you can have can't, can do. I mean, can do clubs and vice versa. Um. But like Moshe could do roast battle, like he would yeah, kill people. for sure. Uh, I mean Brent too. It's because oh, if you're funny, you can make it work. Yeah, I mean, but and then you have. I like, mean, some of the shit I've done is like alty as fuck. Well, just your you almost had an alt battle like yeah. when you. And uh, I know we talked about With it a Quentin lot. or yeah. no? The, I know we talked about it a lot in the uh, last podcast, but like. You know, you came out as Doug Fager, Fager's uh, well, Dead Brothers yeah, Ghost. I mean, like... What the fuck? Well, it's like... Here's here's my view on it is go is like, how can I service Roast Battle? And is it by... Is it by writing... Uh, I, ideally, I do both. But is it by uh, knowing the format and serving the format and, and saying, you know, like okay racist jokes work and do racist jokes they do you know or 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 slut shaming jokes work you know do that they do right but uh no my i think i serve the show better by saying let's see what's possible (laughs) you know let's see let's see what we can pull off in this room uh and the answer is anything funny probably yeah i mean you can literally if any like that's the at the end of the day the tagline is if it's funny it'll work but like you know like i want to do like lsd theater like this is they just in the entrances uh in the entrance i did um like this is shit that i've always wanted to do but haven't had a context for it you know yeah i mean it's like uh there have been some crazy entrances little plays that don't make sense you know it's like um putney swope (laughs) Yeah, well, that shit. might be too deep uh, for my audience, but uh, well, they probably think... Uh, look it up. Yeah, lick it up. Uh, I mean, look it up. That's how into Kiss I am. Uh, but yeah, I mean, anything lick goes. Uh, you know, there's... I mean, the entrances now, like, you know, Jamar, you... Uh, yeah. You know, uh, Guam Felix has had some wacky entrances. Alex uh, Hooper. Hooper's all, Hooper's last entrance, which was like a take on a slave uh, movie, was like, wow, this is crazy. And, uh, yeah. I, Stay tuned for my next entrance. Uh, likewise. Likewise. It's going to be insane. But that's the thing is like, I, you know, my next entrance is like already planned and mapped out. And it's like, you know. Yeah, I have I have people building uh, uh, uh Let's just say, uh, state, uh, um, yeah, building scenery. <laughs> I mean, that's what this show has come to is like people are building. Like, I mean, yeah, I don't like, uh, last battle, I, I fucking, we made a trash can, uh, it was one thing, 
that was like difficult and we had to figure out how to do it. I mean, it took like a month. <laughs> to yeah, I mean, like people are spending money. I was like, I, w- I woke up at six in the morning the Saturday before my battle and sanded a, a, a drum like a, you know, we painted it and I sanded it down. Yeah, I mean, that's like the level of the, that this show has gotten now. Like, um, it's not just yeah. enough to walk out there with jeans a t-shirt and I mean I I came from theater like that's how I started I I, freshman year of high school I quit football the first day out uh and I was like this is not me you know and uh I'm not an athlete and I don't want to be one but you're a big dude like you're yeah 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 and I loved football I loved it and I still like it uh you know I'm not I don't really follow it but you know, I I uh, I liked it because it was fun, and I was seeing that it was not gonna be fun anymore. They just took it too seriously, and that's what I like about comedy is because no matter how serious you take it, it's still at the end of the day you're just fucking goofing around. You know, it's all for laughs. Yeah, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, it's like now some people like I subscribe to the. Th- theory from just my own comedy whatever you got to do to get a laugh yeah see i i've i've put that on the back burner and uh i i it's important not to forget that like not to forget that the at the end of the day the goal is to make people laugh because sometimes i do i'll punish an audience usually it's when they're not responding though uh, you know, I'm, I've been there, but even, even then sometimes that like, sometimes my material is not working and I go, I, I start taking lashing out at the audience and they'll love it, you know, cause you're being real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the goal I think is to be honest, uh, because you could make people laugh without being honest. And that disgusts me. <laughs> You know wow. what I mean? There's, there's a, you can be a rhythm. I don't want to name names, but, uh, you can, I mean, you can, you can, you can figure out how to do comedy and do it. And that's not interesting to me. What's interesting to me is someone like George Carlin or Bill Hicks or Doug Stanhope, or even like, I, I think, um, Bo Burnham does is they say a universal truth and they articulate uh, uh, articulate uh, articulate it. How ironic that I can't pronounce that word. You Joe Urell. <laughs> All I can do Just kidding. that that fucking joke. Uh, uh, I don't. I think it was a bit of a sleeper, but he was. He looks like a marionette puppet operated by a retarded person or something whatever that was so was that fucking funny night? yeah there was a lot of jokes against him that i thought should have gotten love you know like yeah i mean it's tricky you can't once you cross a line and they think you're hateful it's they won't you know what i mean like they they're like what what's your intentions but like with joe yeah. he's capable of firing back at you right yeah for i sure. think it would be me. i was talking to who was who was battling do you know was it trimmer here we go i think we're having brain farts today uh i don't know his name he's a newer battler yeah. bald guy with a 
uh, goatee. Yeah, I think that's Trimmer. Okay, nice guy. Super yeah, nice. yeah. Super I think funny. he's two and zero oh now too. So we'll see if he's he's something. Well, third, you know. third battle is probably the test. Also, if you if you uh, challenge people that are you know, I don't know. Well, no, you're right. I mean, it really. The, I mean, Joe's really funny, but like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's why I respect. You know, there's you know. Uh, certainly as you get a little closer to the top fifteen. It, or 20. I mean, I don't know what the actual. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the competition level. It's definitely uh, from Battler 50 to Alex Hooper. It's like it increases pretty uh, substantially. Right. Like those uh, top 20 guys are, are all, and girls. There's, uh, I think, five or six girls as well. But yeah, what I was saying is just like, it's it's uninteresting just to be funny. And it's easy, I think. I It's hard doing stand-up. Because you never know what you're walking into, and one person who's pissed off might throw off the energy of the whole crowd. You know, I really think that like if someone's bringing the energy down by just fucking being a sad sack, maybe it takes like five percent of an audience to fucking bring the whole thing down. Really, um, especially I mean, if it's not a big crowd, like you know, right, right, right. Which I'm not used to performing in front of big crowds. <laughs> If I'm not opening up for Rob Schneider, I've, I've, I've played with some pretty uh, small crowds. And Jeff Ross uh, as well. Like, to play, open up for him at, like, the Irvine Improv, it's, like, 500 people. It's literally like that. You can't see the wall. There are so many Yeah, I don't people. think I've ever <laughs> done anything like that. It's like, But, you know, like, I go up a lot late night at the comedy store. It is interesting, though, when you get in that scenario and you go, oh, this is fucking easy, <laughs> you know? It's easy, but it's also very hard because it's, like, like, for a long time, I was so used to going up in front of so few people where I could hear the laughs, and yeah. like I knew the timing was easy because you knew when the laughs started and when they ended. But like when you play, and you'll find out when you play, yeah. you know, a theater opening up for someone or whatever. Like, you know, it you do a joke and the laugh starts out small, so you almost think you're bombing, and then it's like a wave. Though it takes a yeah. while to get to the back of the room, and then you're like. Oh my god! And then you go into your next joke, and you're stepping on your own laughs because so you just got to pause a little longer. It's definitely different timing playing yeah. like uh, you know a, a bigger audience because like, and that's what you're talking about a theater and or a bigger club or even like well the Irvine Improv I think seats like 500 but you know like if you open up for Joe Rogan you'll be a Rob Schneider or Russell Peters I mean I'm hungry for it I fucking you know what I mean it's amazing I mean you 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 get a uh, like a regular gig opening up for someone like those guys. It's really upsetting because, like, what I was saying is like people do like superficial comedy, and I respect them because it's it's vulnerable. It's always vulnerable, but there's like a level of vulnerability when you're saying something like, "This is who I am. This is what I believe," and I know you're not gonna like it. Even you know. Like when you're trying to express something that's like something dark or, or you know, a, an unpopular opinion or something, but you're trying to communicate something bigger with people. It's an extra. Like if I if I bomb with a joke about the election or something, or if I bomb with a joke that's like like a jizz joke or something like that. It's it it hurts a little bit, you know. And if I'm having a rough set, maybe it hurts a little more. But if I bomb with a joke about my dad dying, that just it kill it'll it kills me. 
I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's risky. Like, I'm, you know, I did jokes about my parents, you know, dying and whatnot. Yeah. And, like, it's a pretty funny story. Doesn't it hurt more? It does. But I find the only times you get in problems like that is, like, maybe someone in the audience just lost their dad right. or mom uh, or, you know, an uncle who was, they were close to. So it's like... I mean, I even like... The I I I don't even like it, like the joke joke per move. I think movies are joke per minute. I think stand ups like fifteen seconds. I I just I don't like that because uh, I think that's a uh, like I I I like I like silence too. You know, and I think it, you can use that. Um, oh yeah, it's it's actually powerful, and also uh or like there maybe there's a moment where you say something sad and you make the audience sad. And then the next thing you say is even a, a way bigger release. I like to play with like, sometimes I'll get real serious and then it ends up being a joke. Like I used to do a bit about AIDS and I would say like, uh, like, you know, people, people say you shouldn't joke about AIDS at a comedy show. It's just not, good and this was like 10 years ago before it was when it was still kind of a taboo and uh i would say i offer you the story you know i was doing a show and a guy came up to me and he said you know i have hiv and i i i was like i'm so sorry man like i didn't mean it he like you know because i'm a huge pussy and then the guy says you know um no, I loved it, you know, right? because what we need in our situation is laughter. And I'm so happy that you can, you know, joke about that kind of thing, you know, and, and I think it's brave and I, I, we really need that in the world. And, uh, if you don't believe that story, it's cause I just made it up and it's not true. Sweet. <laughs> so it would be like, like I, that toying with their, like the audience is going like, Oh wow, this is a vulnerable. And then I'm like, Oh, and it's, that's false. Right. I don't have AIDS guys. <laughs> right. Just, just I mean, there, anyone. And then, and then I would even take it a step further. I remember I did one set and I ad libbed like, if you don't like me joking about this, I hope you get AIDS and die of AIDS. And that was the biggest laugh of my set was that ad lib of telling the audience, I hope you die of AIDS. And the odds are at least one person <laughs> in the room has it. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. But usually that's not the person offended. I think, I think, I think much more often people are offended for other people. There's like this very white privilege thing of being offended, you know, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you know, there's a comedy store employee who has HIV, and he's he's an awesome, awesome dude. And uh, you know, I think that especially the late night comics, we all have a gay or right. it's joke in the hopper, and uh, <laughs> when we do it in front of him, he loves it. Like, you know, yeah, what do you what do you want in that situation? Like, think of this: like when you hear a joke that is about your situation, say say uh okay like like Patton Oswalt for example his wife died and he went on Conan and did and talked about it and it was funny it was alternately funny and touching and you know and people who are going through that same thing uh they feel less alone and that's and maybe they'll rewatch that clip 50 times you know just to get them through the 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 
horror, you know, the awful, the crushing fucking grief of it all. And, um, and, and, uh, like you're not going to do that because someone might get offended one time, you know, that's, that's what can actually help people. Yeah. I mean, good comedy, I think offends someone in the room. Right. Yeah. That's the whole point. And you know, like people get anti PC and shit, but like, I, I think it's good for comedy, you know, uh, the PC people, um, because if you're fearless, like, what are they going to do? They'd be like, you're racist and be like, yeah, whatever. Think what you want. <laughs> you know, yeah. like fucking like I once I was doing a bit about uh, the, a lost shoe. Like I lost a shoe and I could never be in a relationship because I can't even keep track of my shoes or whatever. This It was this like half-baked bit. I never worked out. But that night, the reason I was doing it is because I saw a shoe on the bus. Just <laughs> just someone lost their shoe and there's a shoe sitting there. So I was like, it could be, you know, that could be my Cinderella story. You know, I could have grabbed that shoe and found the love of my life. And then I said, you know what? It looked like a little boy's shoe. And then I was like, I didn't mean to imply that I like little boy and then i said you know what fuck it think i'm a pedophile who cares like what are you gonna prosecute me i have nothing to hide <laughs> you yeah, know i mean you know uh, like who cares if <laughs> who cares if you like little boys <laughs> you're like the colonel in boogie nights you don't know but you know you know what i mean like like i uh, like what are you gonna do to me <laughs> like you can't i don't know it, it gets scary but uh I'm I'm afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of persecution. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, you mean dying on stage? No, I mean dying in real life, right. like actual death. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, who isn't? I mean, I don't think anyone's looking forward to dying, but... Uh... But, like, we shouldn't... I think, I think people are... People who say, uh, like, you shouldn't be... Or you, fuck PC people, they are just as afraid as the people who who are waving the PC flag. You know what I mean? People who are against PC people are also scared. They're saying, don't be PC. They're threatened. Um, I was watching Barry Crimmins special, and there's a great... It's so funny. The special's called Whatever Threatens You. And it was this guy... I think he was being... <laughs> He 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 asked him if he was gay. I forget this. I'm butchering the fuck out of it. But he he goes, "What are you gay?" And he goes, "I'm whatever threatens you." <laughs> you know, it's so funny because like, yeah, like, who cares? You can't you can't be put in jail for a, a you know a wrong idea someone thinks about you. Well, it's scary that society. It, it, you actually can though. Uh, and that's where it gets scary. Like if you're black, you can go to jail for a crime you didn't commit because, you know, Oh no, it's, uh, or white. I mean, or, or white, but yeah, it happens more to black people. It seems not in prison break, but that was a <laughs> fictional movie TV show coming, but back, in the central way. park five. Yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, uh you know, the, uh, or, you know, look at the, uh, Duke lacrosse. That's why, that's why people are so excited about OJ. Right. Cause it was one, <laughs> it was the opposite. Right. I mean, his blood. Someone did that bit. I don't know who. 
But I mean, literally, OJ's blood was everywhere but in his own body. Uh, <laughs> and like cut, cut on the finger, you know. And Yeah, I mean, he was actually par- uh, prosecuted in the civil case. And lost. Yeah, yeah. But that's because... Uh, well, there's new evidence. About the Bruno Ma... But, you know, like, I in that case, you could have literally had a video of OJ doing the murders. And people yeah. would be like, that's not him. You know, that's not Nornberg from the Naked Gun movies. So that's a, and it's like the Cosby thing. You know, when people defend Cosby, it's obviously harmful uh, to women, I think, because, yeah, we got to believe when when a woman's raped and she says she's raped. Why wouldn't you believe them? Well, I mean, it's, it's like if it's one or two, you go, they might be gold diggers. It's he said, she said. But, you know, literally with Cosby, right, right, yeah. fucking 47. But when people defend him, uh, I they're just afraid. And that's the thing in our society. It's like, how can you be mad at people for, for being afraid? You know what I mean? When the world's terrifying all the time. And it's like, this this fucking PC thing, safe space, all that shit. It's like, of course people want a safe space. Why can't they have it too? You know, there's, it's a big world. There's room for all of it. But I mean, I think with celebrities getting away with things like OJ, like OJ was my neighbor as a kid. Like I (laughs) fucking love that guy. You know, he threw me the football. Yeah, you can't, but you can't go around murdering people. (laughs) But But I mean, like in my heart, or in my head, I don't want to believe he did it. Like, cause, mm-hmm. but in my heart, I, it's like, come on, man, get real. Like, yeah, you know, we, <laughs> so nothing we can't, we, it's scary when someone like that and it, well, it shows it's a symptom of a big problem in our country. And that is if you have money, uh, you can, you could pretty much pull off anything. Oh yeah. I mean like, uh, if you hire the right people, if you're smart, if you're, you know, and it's, it's, is that's really, I think the biggest problem with government, it's the biggest problem with just society in general is money is the chief motivation for it. It's the problem in comedy, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's also fame, which is stupid. Because that's a myth. But that's like. But in a way, money's a myth too. In I, what way? I was well. The people think it'll solve their problems. People think it'll make them happy. Um, and it it doesn't. It just makes it makes life more comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I think money, the physical money, does not make you happy. I think it puts you in a position right. to buy things that make uh, you happy. Doye Travis had the best bit that I've heard about it. Where he said, uh, and I apologize for butchering it, Doye Travis is a great comic. He's out in New York now. Check him out. But he said, there's a bell curve for happiness. Um, Like having having money won't make you happy. That's true. But what they don't tell you is having no money will make you unhappy. Yeah. You, You know, so there's like a sweet spot of not being a rich, greedy bastard, but having enough money to live off of. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, but I actually, uh, having no money in my life has made me happy, um, in a way. Well, I mean, I think you makes you appreciate the little things in life. Right. Yeah, of course. Friendship and like, there's a strength to it. Like I, I have nothing to lose. You know, and that's not necessarily true. But everything to gain. 
but yeah yeah no but it's true like i when i go on stage i'm fearless because i'm fucking leaving on a bus that's the old sinbad thing comedians are funnier on the bus right but you but like uh it's just like uh when you're destitute they can't hurt you like if you bomb it's like well fucking my life's already shitty (laughs) it's just another (laughs) shitty thing but i like that uh like era of any comic or band when they're hungry and broke right yeah that's the best you know look at guns and roses it's like the ultimate example and also now i've been poor for so long it's been 11 years since i started open mics and i mean i've been poor my whole life not this poor but you know i've never had money uh and uh that that i have now i know what's important right so when i when i am um if i ever make money or if i ever get famous i i know i know what i have artistic integrity right and that's you just you know it would take a lot of money to lose that yeah but you know and how you see it almost with every band you know like you, know, you look at guns and roses like appetite for destruction one of the greatest maybe the greatest album of all time yeah even if you don't like that kind of music right i don't think they ever got bad either well, I mean, like they by just, the, they just uh, you know, artistic differences. You know, the Use Your Illusion albums were like Axel was slowly turning into like Liberace, you know, right? But I thought that they were, I still like them. Oh, it's a good. Yeah, they're very listenable. It's like the White Album for the Beatles, which is interesting because they skipped straight to the end, right? You know, but it's uh, like you know, like one of my favorite bands is Kiss, and like. You listen to their first three albums, which is when they had no money. Yeah. They put out three albums in the first year, like, which is no one will ever do that again. Three different albums. And they, you could tell they were just. Because they all failed. Yeah. But they were just like, we're going to get it right. We're going to just keep putting it out. And then Alive, Kiss Alive came out. Uh, It was kind of ballsy to put out a live album of. Yeah. Of three albums worth of material. Well, Kiss is interesting too because they were always Kiss. I get, like imagine going to play in a church basement in front of fifteen mildly disinterested people, and uh, do you know sitting down in front of a mirror and getting your friends in the band to all put on makeup and and do this concept, and then going up in front of a fifteen board like maybe a couple diehard fans that they had garnered, but it's just like, and going, are you ready for the greatest band in the world? And they still do that it's, intro. It's crazy. Uh, you know, I, I like the shot guns and roses gave them on, uh, um, their live album. Uh, you wanted the best, you got the best. Well, they didn't yeah. make it tonight. Yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> that's great. Kind of a zinger. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, there, there's always been a little, heat between uh kiss and guns and roses because i think well there's heat uh axel rose with everybody uh, but. uh starts fights yeah but like i think paul stanley was and this is gonna sound crazy to music fans who might not know this he was uh one of the original people brought up to produce appetite for destruction yeah and, uh, there's a who produced it um i think mike clink if i'm getting that right 
But like, there's a. I think Axel told a story. Speaking of uh, best debut battles, best debut album, in my opinion. I mean, I would say it's a tie between them and Boston. <laughs> really? Because uh, people, you know, the album's Boston. Yeah, yeah, people are so sick of hearing more than a feeling. But like, seventeen, eighteen million records sold. Like, I think it was the highest selling debut ever. Yeah. And then, then Appetite uh, overtook it, but. I just like the story of how that first Boston record was made. You know, just tell me. Well, Tom uh, Schatz, uh, he's MIT graduate, so he's incredibly smart. Uh, they, you know, got a small advance in the record company. He, fl- the band flew out to LA. Tom stayed in Boston and made the record in his basement because he's like a genius, MIT. Like, yeah top of the class so he had created all these recording uh technological advancements that you know like basically pro tools but back then and uh so they kept the money because he knew how to do everything and and then you know they flew the band out to la to make it look like they were recording yeah and you know through his uh, shiftiness if you want to call it that they made maybe the greatest debut album ever uh that's interesting shoestring budget that's the best though right uh and it worked i mean what's his name uh god damn it um we're blanking on names yeah we don't know anything don't know it's kind of um i love when people get mad when you don't know their name or you don't recognize them i'm the worst at that i'm well every comic says that because if I've if I met you and we talked and we hung out, I'll remember you. But if I met you at an open mic, there's no way. Even if I'm hosting, it, even more if I'm hosting, because then I'm reading f- fifteen to forty names, you know. Uh, and it's just like when I feel like when people get offended, I'm like, uh, my I'm just like, you're not getting up enough, you know. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, you yeah. got to like... And I understand getting offended because, of course, you want people to know you and you th- you uh, you delude yourself into thinking that people do or that I'm you want to I'm I'm memorable, you know, but nobody is. You know, if you if you met Chris Rock when he wasn't famous, you wouldn't remember him. You know, you remember him now because he's Chris Rock and you go, oh, shit, that's Chris Rock. But you know what I mean? Like. Oh yeah, he was once an open micer that nobody remembered. Oh yeah, I mean we all, you know, everyone's. That's a great thing about nobody Tom. remembers him on SNL. <laughs> uh, well, he's probably happy about. I'm that. just saying, come out, come and talk shit on Chris Rock on your podcast. But yeah, you know, no, he's, I mean, he's one of the best comics of all time. I mean, I Jay him. Moore was on SNL. A lot of people right. are like, really? Uh, you know, he's told several funny stories about like being the guy in the background, like right? Yeah, yeah. Th- yeah. Those are great too because. Uh, yeah, that that fly on the wall. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know that's the great thing about stand up is we all start. No one starts out as a superstar in stand. Right. I'm a, I'm in a weird place right now just because I feel like I'm mad at myself. Uh, Why? More than anything because I feel like I should be more successful, but then at the same time I'm I'm real with myself like like I. Also, also, I don't know that I want it either. I mean, I want to do longer sets, the for sure, and I'm like frustrated. 
frustrated with three minute sets, even seven minute sets. You know, I, I, I need to be doing 20 minutes. I, I need to be putting an hour together. Like I'm, I have, I probably have three hours and, you know, of material. Uh, well, I mean, in LA though, there's like, you know, uh, very few spots that ha- give that time. Like, right. Oh yeah. You know, I have a half hour spot tomorrow night for probably the first time in, you know, months in LA. But me, I was talking to my friend, Brian, um, Brian Kelly, and he said, uh, he's, he was like, just go to a bar. And it's true. Like you could go to a bar and be like, I'm going to do a show here and they'll let you do one at least if nothing else. And you could tell a couple friends to come out or whatever, or just do it for the fucking 10 people sitting at the bar or less. You know, you could at least run an hour, you know, it might not be ideal, but you could fucking do it. Oh yeah. I mean like, uh, I'm, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. The DIY punk approach. Well, that's what I'm doing uh, in two weeks at Ari Manis's uh, apartment. Um, yeah. Uh, See, and I love that. I love performing in a, in places where you shouldn't. <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's kind of how I envision my my first special to be. I want it to be. Oh yeah. Yeah, I want to do. I want to film mine in a hat shop. Yeah. In Pasadena. You know, just something. It's it's great because there's a you could see the street. Like the street would be the background, right. so there'll be people walking by, and I could open the door and do crowd work with passersby. Yeah, you know that, that would stand out. Like, yeah, I mean, I think we all want. Like, I watched Sebastian special the other night. Yeah, he's great. There's a packed theater. Like, could, right? Yeah, uh, and I can't watch him anymore. I, yeah, why? Not? I mean, well, well, with him. I feel like there's so much depreciate. Yeah, just the whole thing of like a theater. Uh, I like I like it better when they film things at clubs. Right. Um, just because it's different, it's refreshing when there's a smaller crowd. It just feels different. Um, and I've just seen a million polished, well produced stand up specials, and it's boring. They have to be like. They have to be goddamn brilliant, and what they're talking about has to be interesting. Funny isn't enough, yeah. You know, because I'm not laughing at, you know, he's one of the best comedians in the world. Yeah, he's amazing. But like, I I can't watch his specials. I saw him live. He fucking, I was dying. And by the way, Sein, it was an interesting experience because Seinfeld was watching him, and. I hate this attitude of comics where they go, which I just did it. I said, I can't watch these specials, but, uh, but like, uh, they're like, I can't watch comedy anymore. I'm, you know, and I get that, but Seinfeld fucking sat there and watched and laughed his head off. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, so fucking, oh yeah. You think you're, you're better than Seinfeld. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, in my case, I know I'm not, but like I have trouble watching comedy because I want to do it. Right. No, it's, I mean, for me, yeah. Especially if I'm on the show or I mean like even at an open mic before I do, I mean, it's much easier for me to watch after I do my set. Right. Because my set, I'm like thinking about my set. I'm not, I'm not paying attention. Uh, but I mean, I imagine it's like what asking Tom Brady to watch the Steelers Ravens game, like. That means nothing to the Patriots. Just we want you to watch. It's like I know, fuck that. I want to do it. 
<laughs> yeah. I want to go out and throw a football. I don't want to watch Roethlisberger. Yeah, we are. I think a lot of people would say we're the Tom Brady's of comedy. <laughs> well, I wish. Uh, yeah. I wish I was the Tom Brady of comedy. I mean, that goddamn, that guy's good at everything. He probably would be good at stand-up. Really good at cheating, too, even. Well, I mean, you know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying with the Patriots. <laughs> I like the thing I just saw in... Uh, I love documentaries, and I guess I've always gravitated towards sports ones, but there's one on Netflix about cheating in the Olympics. And, like, you know, they did the usual bodybuilders and steroids, but then they had uh, this feature on the Ukrainian swim team who uh, someone had put it into their head that their swimmers would be better if they had more air in them, like literally air. So they would before their practices and stuff, put uh, uh, air hose up their anus. Oh, my God. And then one guy died because he literally hooked himself up to like a, not a fire hydrant, but like some like high-powered hose, and it blew out his intestines, and he died. And it's Holy like, shit. You know, sometimes second place isn't so bad. <laughs> you know, you second place in your life. Take the silver. But that's, that's the kind of shit that's crazy. People get so, to such a... And the, the comedy scenes like that, where they'll just do fucking anything, and I just I find that disgusting. Like, I was talking to my friend uh, the other night, and she was like, I wish i wish i didn't have to do social media i was like you fucking don't like, i think you i know don't. this person no no this, i don't think i don't know uh because i had this conversation oh yeah i'm sure a lot her. of people people uh, and also you don't have to do it as much as you're doing don't don't fucking don't don't sell me on your lie to yourself because your lie to yourself is like i have to do this for my career when really you're doing it for approval you're I, like when people like your shit you know and yeah so like because it's the same because i recognize the lie i tell myself the same lie i'm doing this but no i'm doing this because it feels good to get that approval the approbation you know so i think it's 50 50 because i hate social media but i also realize you know you have to do it you just i know which people. like which i've gotten over i'm like i don't hate it anymore because it's a useful tool like no, if, you, if if there's a joke i'm not sure about i could throw it out online and if i get no likes or or something like um like I, I i went on this like uh don't do commercials tip like uh like i hate commercials why are it why is everyone acting in commercial why is everybody supporting them uh you know like like i don't like doing things that aren't comedy too you know right like I remember uh, there was an interview with Bobby Lee that I saw where he's like, I don't, I don't have a fucking headshot. Like, fuck that. Well, like, he doesn't need it. Right. But he did because people ask him to send his headshot and he's like, I'm a stand up. Like, I don't want to be an actor, which now I'm sure he's like, I'll take, I'll, I'll take an acting gig. I'll take any acting gig. I can get. You know, like, I, yeah, he, but he does, he does cool movies and shit, but you know what I mean? Like that's, a, that's a young, a young man's attitude. I think. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, that's the funny thing. Like, he doesn't consider himself an actor, but yet he works in more TV and film than most actors. Right, yeah. Because... Uh, um, but it's like, basically, like, I just... I don't think it's healthy to be desperate. And, uh, uh, like, uh, like, with commercials, like, 
do them. I don't care, but I'm going to say don't do them because that's my, my standpoint, you know, is that they're, they're awful and harmful to society. And we've built this culture. I don't, I'm not against advertising. I'm against a culture of advertising. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, like we've, we've become fucking advertisements. You know what I mean? When you start talking to someone in LA, they, I feel like people are auditioning for you and I always want to be like, I'm not casting anything, you know, like just talk to me, which is why I like doing standup because people are more honest. I can't do acting. Also, like, I don't want a fucking headshot. Just like Bobby Lee said, like, I don't want a headshot. There's this forced vanity. I don't want to be thinking about how I look. I want to be thinking about being funny. Well, you'll get I want to be that in a couple more years. <laughs> How so? Well, you know, you start like you're an artist, you're a comic. Yeah. But at some point you're like, fuck, I got to get work. No, I'm I'm there now. I'm I am you. I just but Right. No, like, I'm definitely I mean, I fucking I've been borderline homeless for almost 4 years, maybe more. And yeah, I'm I'm there. I'm I I need work. But at the same time, like I like like I'm not like I'm okay, you know. For now, <laughs> I don't want to live like this forever. But I say But but here's the thing is like like I'm okay now. If I I know that I if I did a commercial, I'd be fucking miserable. And I wish that wasn't true. Like I wish I could just do commercials and not but I know too much. I know they're harmful and I couldn't live with myself. I was backstage. I, I dropped too many names. I should be more Do careful. It. But, but fucking, I was backstage with Pepitone. Not that that you know. Not that I was hanging out with fucking Tom Cruise or whatever. The legendary Eddie Pepitone. He's one of the. He's one of my favorite comics, like ever. Uh, he's a fucking, and there's an integrity to what he does. He did a commercial with Key and Peele, and I was backstage with him, and he's like, "Now I can't do that bit anymore." about how I don't do commercials, how I, and I, it was really sad, you know, he, 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 it was like, I'm a different person now. I'm a different comic. I don't have that, which I'm sure he could do a bit about how he did a commercial and he's uncomfortable with it, you know, and it'll be hilarious, but you know, it's just like you do lose something. And again, I don't want to be, I don't want to be Gabriel Iglesias. I don't want to be, uh, I do. But, you know, I don't want to be any, I don't want to be funny. I want to say something and I have things to say. Um, and it, it's, it's very frustrating because I feel like I have information, <laughs> you know, that can help people. I mean, it's a tough, uh, line to straddle, you know, it's yeah. like you want to like make a difference and like do material you want to like get out there to the masses but then it's like you know and i have a lot of fears around you know i'm afraid of uh, death is at the top you know like i and nobody's afraid of dying i I am i i think what you're afraid of though is not living enough not having enough life not having enough success not having enough achievement not having enough time you know well i mean it's like you know, in some ways I subscribe to the Gene Simmons theory of like, <laughs> hey, I'm in music for pussy and money. Like he's, you got to give him that. 
he is uh, honest about <laughs> right you know i will put right out there a- is there is like a integrity to their um to their uh, lack of integrity right right yeah they're so far in the other direction but i like his honest I, I like, yeah, yeah. I'll, if someone's honest about themselves i can appreciate that like he's like you know hey i'll put a kiss toilet out there i'll put a kiss coffin a is kiss- it a kiss are you doing the kiss condom kiss coffin will get you coming or going <laughs> yeah. classic but i mean like I, I can appreciate Kiss. his honesty. Yeah. Where'd you get some of the like the grunge bands uh, who you know came on and were like you know we're sad, depressed, you know we don't want to make money. Bullshit. If you didn't want to make money, you wouldn't put out an album. But it is. It was. I I I do think they're because they were coming at it from a more of a we just want to play music because they were depressed and they were, uh, I think that that was honest. Um, do it in your garage then, which that that's all they were trying to do. And then like Kirk, I mean, look at the biggest example, Kirk Cobain fucking killed himself. He was the ultimate grunge. Like, yeah, yeah. he fucking, that shit, that shit isn't fake. I mean, he's dead. You know, he ended his life at like 27 or whatever. Yeah, it was, well, yeah, 27 club. But like, I like Gene Simmons. Like, he's like, hey, if all these bands are depressed, send me your checks then. Like, (laughs) make your music and send me the money. And like, Gene's always thinking of business. Well, but I mean, like, there's such a, like, Kurt Cobain, well, what people don't say about him is he was already depressed, you know, he was already, and the fame didn't help that. Um, Might have made it worse. Well, it definitely did. But, you know, it's not, is it to blame that a depressed person, you know, he was already ill. Well, I think, it, you know, you also throw in Courtney Love and her ball busting. And- yeah, I don't know how much... I I subscribe to that. I think there's a little sexism at play there, Uh, but um, she's like the Yoko Ono of Nirvana, right? Yeah, that too. I don't think Yoko broke up the band. I think uh, they were already breaking up. Um, You might be right there, but like you know, they wanted to try different things. You know, they they were stifled. Well, that's always the interesting thing with a band: art versus commerce is what it comes down to. You know, if you're in for the art, just give your CDs away. Like, you know. Which is what I, I mean, like, that's all I've been doing, really, you know, giving it away every night. I've never really gotten paid any substantial amount of money. Well, I mean, it's like with this podcast, I don't make, literally, I do not yeah. make $1 on it. But it's fun. Why, I like, love that. I love that line and don't, don't think twice, uh, which is a great movie about the entertainment industry and about comedy. Um, one of the best I've ever seen. They're so honest and brutal. Uh, but she has a line. Uh, she's talking about how it should be fun and whatever. And one of the students is like a smart ass and he goes, well, you don't get paid and everyone laughs. And she goes, yeah, but isn't that kind of fun too? no, no, but it is because you're not, you don't have to answer to a boss. It's like, like at flappers when they give me shit, I'll just be like, well, yeah, you're not paying me. I'm not losing anything here. Which you, is why uh, I'm open with my disdain of that club. Yeah. Uh, you should, I mean, I, I've talked at length about it, but I like flappers just because it's a club 
that'll give you uh it'll let you up <laughs> oh you yeah know? i mean listen i don't like we all have our own past i mean i just don't like the way they uh treat comics to it yeah i could i could go at, i could talk about it at length but uh, you know but they're booking me now so oh I yeah can't, no i can't it's anymore i <laughs> know uh, i don't want you to like you know i can't stand that club but you yeah. know i'm and I'm, not, I'm certainly not in a position of power in this business. I literally was talking on the phone with the guy. Uh, Dave? No, no. It was like an intern or something. Yeah. <laughs> right before I came here. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> like it's a gig. It's a spot. It's a yeah, yeah. People like it. You know, I'm not. And I'm see, never... that's the thing. Like, uh, uh, all, like I would do a sitcom. You know what I mean? Like commercials are where I draw the line. Yeah, wait till you get an offer for a national Bud Light. You'll you'll be on that set before the fucking well. Yeah, boom that's operator. that's the other thing is like, um, people are like, I I love that people are like, are you afraid it'll hurt your career? And I'm like, what fucking career? Like like when people are afraid of what they say online, I'm like, do you are you that delusional that they think uh, they're gonna fucking uh, an open they're gonna crucify an open micer when someone gets in trouble for saying something it's because they're incredibly famous and they're in the public eye so the public uh feels like they have a piece of that person if you're not fucking famous they don't care what you say you know you're right on that i mean the justine sacco thing is a little bit of a phenomenon what was that i'm a little out of the loop uh she actually worked for wwe for a second but um she was a publicist and she made a tweet and she wasn't that much in the public eye she wasn't famous and her tweet was like it's something you would hear at roast battle you know she said i'm going to africa i hope i don't get aids just kidding i'm white watch out yeah yeah and that tweet blew up Sign and fucking up. people shared it and people were like so one guy like was like and this has been covered on other podcasts john bronson wrote a book about it you could probably pick that up and it'll it'll tell you way more information than i can is there an audio book of it <laughs> yeah probably yeah i'm sure there is um but anyways it's just it's just like she wasn't really a celebrity and her tweet blew up and people crucified her and John Ronson interviewed her and she she had PTSD from it. And right. that's scary because obviously what she was doing was a joke. It was super offensive. But, you know, if that joke had been on South Park, would it be the same story? Well, you know, can you imagine what it takes uh, to give uh, someone who's worked in the WWE PTSD. I mean, what they see. <laughs> I mean, that's the real deal, that locker room. that That's probably the locker room Trump was talking about. <laughs> yeah. Grab that pussy, uh, you know, Rusev. Uh, Umaga. Pussy. Umaga, the dearly departed. Uh, I liked him better when he was part of the tag team of Rosie and Jamal, the three-minute warning. Three-minute warning. That was great. Which is, uh, many of you know, I had the... Uh, a minister from that wedding uh, Billy and Chuck, so. you know what's great about wrestling is they exist in their own universe and that's i hate that they went pg or whatever the the pg era or whatever because they always just kind of i mean even that they make up their own rules and it's just the way they um have you ever heard of this play fuck probably not uh right there's a play about writing 
the movie uh, Gone with the Wind, and it's uh, David David Selznick, the produce legendary producer, and um, God Victor Fleming, director of Wizard of Oz, and the writer who I don't know his name because that's how we treat writers. Uh, it's cold business. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, he had a fine career, so he probably doesn't have much complaints about that. Uh, who knows? But uh, but it's, they he just locked him in a room, and they wrote the movie in seven days. You know, there was a million versions of the scripts, uh, you know, rewrites and fucking, and he was determined to make this movie, and he pulled him off of... Uh, Wizard of Oz and like someone finished directing the movie for six more days or whatever you know um, and they they were locked in a room and they wrote fucking Gone with the Wind it uh, can be done yeah yeah so uh, but there's a line in it where he says he said you know who my boss is David Selznick who's like the head of MGM basically um, he, he said my boss is them it's the people who watch these movies. I'm beholden to them. So it's really, it's, uh, and, and Bobcat Goldthwait had a great line about, um, people always said, if we could make the decision, if the people can choose, you know, we'd choose the best. We right. wouldn't choose these shitty pop artists and whatever. And he goes, and then we're given a machine. We're giving the internet to make this decision. And we chose Justin Bieber, you know, well, <laughs> it's not it's not the evil corporations that are giving us this shit. It's the millions of people who are watching it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a Bieber hater. You know, it's not my oh, right, music, right, right. but like, you know. Uh, but, you know, like people, people are dumb and I'm including myself in that. We don't want broccoli and steak uh, and or even just we don't want fruits and vegetables we want fucking candy and you know we want uh we want corn syrup yeah and fructose. yeah and and entertainment becomes high fructose corn syrup if you and we live in a great world now where there's netflix and amazon and and all these different venues I I love Netflix because they 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 don't have sponsors and HBO was the first I think to do that. I mean I love Netflix. Just, right. You know that Tony Robbins documentary <laughs> is actually really good. Yeah, and it's great for movies that fail um, in a theatrical release and TV series that maybe didn't get love. Right, or didn't get picked up, and they'll take a chance on giving them less money. You know. Yeah. And and trusting them more Network. there's more artistic freedom now yeah uh, that just hasn't existed in the last fucking 30 years or whatever people would do it but it was very hard to have that kind of freedom and get shit made it's a it's a crazy cool world uh we're we're stepping into that's why social media you can say, oh, I hate social media, which makes sense. Of course, it's annoying. It's obnoxious. It's fucking, it's Just, addicting. But at the same time, it's a fucking tool that's valuable. Like Bernie Sanders would have never got as far as he did without social media. Yeah. Hashtag feel the burn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but like even like for podcasts, you would like, I would love yeah. to just do this podcast. It saved radio. Yeah. The internet 
What is the uh, video killed the radio star? The Buggles. And the internet brought it back. The first uh, MTV video ever uh, with Jeff Downs on keyboards uh, of Asia. <laughs> Little uh, 80s uh, music trivia for you. Um, you got that name real quick. Well, I'm a, yeah. Well, I mean, I have a weird like Rain Man, uh, Trevor Horn, the singer of the Buggles. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a weird Rain Man. I could tell you who the third bass player and winger was. But yeah. I can't tell you. You know what they say is the wrinkles in your brain. Uh, that's like the deeper uh, the wrinkles, the more knowledge you have. That you're at, the, the wrinkles actually like form from you like uh like Albert Einstein had deep wrinkles you right. know I, my wrinkles are probably pretty shallow then uh, <laughs> yeah count the eighties you just gotta I I think we look at knowledge in this country and I think it comes out of school as a um as like a cup that you fill up right which which really I think it's more like um. You, you can just keep stretching it out, you know. You keep digging deep. It's more like a fucking hole you're digging, you know. And you can just keep digging that hole until you get to China. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hopefully they don't have the nukes ready for us. Uh, well, you'd hit the you'd hit you'd hit the center of the earth and and die from die there before you got to China. But you know. I mean, I got all bummed out today when I they said China's working on a. Uh, nuke that can reach uh you know guam i'm like not guam felix but literally yeah yeah oh as long as you can't hit la i'm good like (laughs) is guam ever gonna do for me i mean la the thing is uh yeah if you want to get into it there's a volcano underneath us that hasn't exploded in like a million years uh we're sinking into the ocean we've got no water we're simultaneously uh dehydrated and drowning if you could wrap your mind around that, uh, it's, I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, but I mean, LA is so self-absorbed that like, oh yeah, we're about to be ocean absorbed. Yeah. And, but comics will still want to go up. Like, Oh, I always thought if they'll was, be on rafts, yeah. uh, with a so, bucket, yeah, put your name mic. in the wireless mic. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, they just holding a stick. Like yeah. it's not even <laughs> plugged into anything. Like I always thought if there was a comedy club on tower two on nine 11, <laughs> you saw a plane coming at the tower. You're like, Hey, I can think I can squeeze in one last comic on this lineup. <laughs> um, you know, there's that great. Oh, it's not great, but you know, there's, funny and tragedy of that the happy tourist and they would show him at like every natural disaster and like it was just a guy with a backpack and like someone had photoshopped him on tower two waving right before the plane like he's waving into the camera and the plane's like right about to hit the building and then they showed him on the hindenburg you know going like this and he's on the deck of the yeah there's something to that it's just Uh, funny to me but well it's funny but there's something like to like our uh you know, people are taking selfies in dangerous situations yeah. and, you know, like, or like, or like there's someone getting beat up and they're taking a selfie or, you know, it's, it's a, I don't know. We, that's the thing. I think when I say don't do commercials, what I'm really saying is try harder, right. you know, reach higher we're capable of being better and i'm starting to shift and and 
you know, direct that anger at fucking the corporations who do the commercials and like like you shouldn't be you shouldn't be mad at people who are who want to be pc you should be mad at the world that oppressed these people you know what i mean like you shouldn't be mad at women for wanting equality you should be mad at a system that hasn't given it to them well I mean, I'm a bit of a sellout at this point in my career. Yeah. Someone came into me, here's a million dollars, do a commercial with the Kardashians. I'd be like, where's the set? Where do you want me? Right. No, and I, I, but like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I just can't do it. Like, I can't. You I say know that now. I just would not. I wouldn't be happy. That's for sure. Um, you know, I'd be miserable. I'd be more miserable than the now. Um, I just know myself. Oh no, I get like I yeah. listen. I in my heart. And I, and again, like those bands, uh, they wanted to play music. It was all there was for them. Oh, I get it. Like I'm all about the art. Like I want to yeah. be the best comic I can be, and I want people like you and you know like whoever like to walk into room when i'm up and go wow this guy's amazing but you know at some point i want to like i mean i love being a comics comic but yeah i mean like i want to make movies you know like what what do you mean like direct or be in them uh, both um and i i do it now like i do make movies little movies and it it's it's upsetting what people will fucking say um, about making a movie when, when like I have no money, so I make what movie I can, and I don't worry about like making it look professional or whatever. And it's such a bummer for people to be like, well, you know, the lighting didn't match or whatever. And I'm just like, dude, it's fucking. I don't care. I'm getting good at telling stories. You know what I mean? Like. I w- I showed Rick Shapiro. I ser- I showed this movie to like to like ten different people, and most of their reactions. You know, some friends are supportive, but like people say things like, "That's not even a movie," and I'm like, "Who decides what a movie is? Like, what? Wh- how fucking boring do you have to be that a movie has to be definable?" You know, to. You have to define art, you know. I showed my movie to Rick Shapiro and he cried. Well, he was probably coming off a bender. No offense. <laughs> yeah, no, he was in... Um, I love Rick Shapiro. He definitely wasn't. He was in the... Um, he was in an old folks home. You know, uh, he was. Hey, it's all it, good. It was, an, it was an absurd situation. He, he heard some ribs and he was, uh, you know, he was rehabilitating convalescing if you will at an old folks home yeah i mean i didn't i didn't know well yeah they take they take well he just needed the physical therapy they offered right at the facilities he wasn't there because he was but yeah it was like i i said to him i was like you gotta get this is where people come to die man (laughs) like you gotta get out of here that's one of the first gigs i ever did was at a hospice you know this guy pitched it to me as uh Hey, you want to do a gig in an old folks home? I'm like, I was pretty thirsty for stage time, so I'm yeah. Like, yeah, you gotta go to this place. And it was a, he didn't tell me it was a fucking hospice. There's really yeah. 20 people who, I'm guessing, I don't know this, but I'm guessing at least 10 of them died within 
three months after this event and uh you know well here why why do you think people here i'm I'm not stupid i'll make a post about um you know anything and and put a lot of thought into it and write it out and i'll get like 50 likes or whatever and i'll do the same thing about not doing commercials and it'll get zero likes do you think do you think uh why do you think that is you know i mean i think at least on social media uh people don't like on ins let's take instagram like i noticed that you know the, the pictures i put of like you know they want to be entertained but they don't want to be they're not into it about the art like right they want to see a, a picture of you in your underwear with your dog <laughs> you know that's funny you know it, that'll get a hundred likes you know that's why girls in a bikini holding up a hot dog will get literally thousands of likes but they post one of their stand-up sets where they're dressed normally they'll get two likes yeah it's just the way it is i mean that's what i don't like about social media is like and i'm not a smart comic but what i'm saying is like people like i mean uh people like something if it's if it's uh if it's funny or if it's well done but it's like if you're I don't know. People are so, I think it's a big problem because people aren't even, it's like, it's like when I say don't do commercials to someone, you'd think I'd say, you know, women don't deserve equality. You know, they react like that. You're like, what the fuck? You know, like, why would you say something like that? Uh, but it's like it, it commercials are awful. They're fucking they're only for money. It's just Yeah, I know. Shameless commerce. And I can't book any of them. <laughs> See, but like who here's my thing is who would want to be that? Me. You're, you're in a room with them right now. <laughs> right, but I don't think so. I don't think you're, you know, I don't think you want that. But I do because here's why and it goes almost goes back to the money. Yeah money doesn't make you happy like i have an idea for a documentary that would require money uh and it's for kiss fans and uh right which i love um uh fucking what's it called um arcade fire right they didn't they didn't license any of their music and then they were getting these crazy offers um and they finally decided to do it and literally like they like uh, the Super Bowl gave them like a billion dollars to use their song and they gave all the money, not a uh, proceeds or whatever the f fucking bullshit words they use. They gave all the money, whatever it was. Let's just say a billion dollars for sake of argument. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm so poor. I don't know what amounts of money are. They're right. like abstract concepts to me, but, uh, but they, so they just gave a billion dollars to Haiti. Uh, the country, the, comedian? the country, oh, not the person. But you know, they were like they they donated all the money to charity, and it was like uh, I read an interesting article where they called them the Robin Hood right. of music, where they're stealing from the rich and giving the poor, and that's cool. Like that's uh, if oh, yeah. I could find a loophole like that. I mean, you I know, uh, but like you know, you need money to like we're your filmmaker comic, yeah. like, you know. I, I, I'm more of a comic than a 
you know, but this documentary I want to do would yeah. require me to fly to Nashville, find this guy who used to be in Kiss, pay him. I'm assuming he'd want to be paid, you know, pay people to edit it. And- you know, what's interesting is, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Kevin, uh, comic does impressions. Oh God. He's in fucking casino. He's in a ton of movies. Usual suspects. He was in casino. Yeah. He's in a lot of movies. Who was he in casino? Then I'll know. Kevin Pollack. Kevin Pollack. There you go. He was a dirty counsel. Yeah, he made that documentary about comedy, Misery Loves Comedy, right? And uh, he said the easiest way to get people to be in it was not to pay them because it was just easier. You'd be like, where are you going to be and we'll come film you? Because once you ask people to get paid, then it's like now we have to talk their agent. We their manage. We have to negotiate with their manager. Their manager will be like, "Oh no, they have these projects going on. You're not. You're not going to get them for another two months." And then it became impossible. You know, like so he would just skip that and just be like, "Come be in this thing." You know, he reached out. Most of them friends. You know. Well, I can uh, assure you that Vinny Vincent from Kiss right, no, does no. not have an agent. Right, he's desperate. Probably. So he'd probably be like, you know, like I had someone reached out to me. Said, I'm hey. not saying that applies to your situation. I just, it's an interesting thing. Oh no, you're right that, though. That like, in a professional scenario, you know, that was a, it was a pretty, people were interested just because Kevin Pollack made it, I think too. Yeah. I mean, and I there were some big names in it. If you're like, but he didn't pay, pay those people, you know, they, they were just interested in the project. I mean, I think like, you know, if you have a name like that, you can, get by without yeah you know but like me if i called up vinnie vince and said hey i want to do this documentary it's like basically rediscovering where you've been the last 20 plus years he'd be like uh that's 10 grand buddy <laughs> uh finding vinnie because he's got a great well story. rob zombie said when he's lo- looking for songs uh rights he was like it seems pretty reasonable uh and it's when people the crate like the more out there people who have the rights you know like uh like if the if the if a company like a large corporation like warner brothers they have a rights to the song they just have their fee and you pay that right. fee but if it's someone fucking living in a trailer park and you go up to them it's like uh, they're like give me two billion dollars and you're like well they're just an insane person who ended up who was married to someone or whatever you know right inherited the rights to the song well, that's what i love like, like that movie the wrestler like mickey rourke knew all those bands so he got yeah, Guns, Guns and Roses. Roses. He's crazy. Springsteen. Uh, he even threw Rat a bone, gave them two songs. But like that movie was great because of that. I feel like uh, whoever wrote it, or maybe through research, um, who directed uh, fucking Darren Arlot- no. Aronofsky. Right, Aronofsky. They they use that metaphor, and there's that part when they're talking about bands, and they're talking about. I think uh, Marissa Tomei is talking about grunge music being good and he's talking about hair metal and that's such a metaphor for him being stuck in the past and not moving past right. a certain era like me which yeah i was gonna say i don't want to say it but uh do they ever do a uh movie called the open mic or yeah i'll be like the wrestling it's be like the wrestler version i i i I have i've written i've started writing that movie (laughs) well i think it'd be great probably a ton of people have i mean i know there's been some documentaries or youtube shorts i also try to do that (laughs) what documentaries yeah 
I mean, I think on the open mic scene of, of, of L.A., it's like such a... And New York. You know. Well, what I was going to do was go from L.A. to New York right. and try to do all the open mics along the way. I had this crazy... You could watch the Kickstarter because it failed. But how Kickstarter works is you... Um, Unfamiliar. It's always on there. You know, they, they keep it up. Um, I'd probably have to, like, if I got famous, I might pay them to take it down or something. Start a Kickstarter to get money to help you take down the Kickstarter. <laughs> I did a Kickstarter, Kickstarter once Kickstarter. as a, a mocking one. Like, I've told the story a few times, so I'll do the shortened version. But Quiet Riot, you know, they did a Kickstarter to get a documentary done. They got it, ended up on Netflix. And it's actually, even if you don't like the band, it's pretty fascinating. I want to watch that. Yeah, I actually love Quiet Riot. Well, it's a great, uh, it's basically the premise is the drummer keeps the band alive. Even yeah, that's great. Died. I love music documentaries because they're often about um, friendship, you know, well, and enduring friendship. This is the ultimate. It, uh, th that's what it basically is. Is like yeah, was, I'm excited. <laughs> he was such good friends with the uh, the singer who died, uh, I think, yeah. 2007, and then it's essentially how he's tried to carry the band on. And uh, but like you know, uh, you know how Kickstarter works. You know, the, the more yeah. you donate, you get like uh, prizes or gifts. You know, like for I think in the Quiet Riot case, it was hundred dollars got you an autographed drumstick. Uh, Five hundred got you a platinum record. A thousand dollars got you a dinner with the band. Yeah, and for ten thousand dollars, you got to actually be in the documentary, which blew me away. That like, if you, if someone was out there, someone did that. No, yeah, that, someone I, did I heard it. A story. So literally the next day, I put up a Kickstarter to do a documentary about the guy who gave ten thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, and like, so you watch the whole quiet ride. So they talk. that that passed. It was a real Kickstarter. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. you watch I I wanted to do one but they've already made rules against it of like panhandling like uh uh give me one which now you could do you could do a GoFundMe or whatever. Yeah. Uh of just like yeah, yeah, like I'm homeless, I need money, <laughs> you know. You probably get money. Yeah. But yeah, you could do a GoFundMe. I just it, like people don't like that shit <laughs> anymore. But the best part about unless like, you have cancer. Right. Yeah, well, uh or whatever the, the best part is like if you watch the quiet riot documentary and i won't spoil it for yeah. you you'll clearly know who gave the 10 grand because there's like a scene it's, it's a two-hour documentary <laughs> yeah that makes no sense <laughs> that's so funny and you're like, this is the guy have you ever seen uh across the universe that beatles movie i have not there's so much shit like that in that movie i hate it I, I stopped watching halfway through. Uh, it's awful. It's like a two hour long music video that's not very good. You know, it's just, and, but whenever there's a line, you could see it coming every time. Uh, whenever there's a line like that doesn't make sense, the next line is the title of a Beatles song. Right. Cause, cause they set it up so poorly, it's just jammed in there. So, I was actually playing a game like I would guess when there was a time and every time because someone would just say something that doesn't make sense in the scene at all just to get to a Beatles title. Well, it sounds like and there's, the way, uh, there's funny moments where like, hey, Jude, the end of hey, Jude, where he's like, hey, Jude, like the guy's like waving <laughs> like, hey, Judy, 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 <laughs> like trying to get someone's attention. It's fucking ridiculous. Let me 
mean, that sounds like the way Paul Stanley introduces Kiss songs. Like, he wants <laughs> you to think he's just doing this <laughs> right. unbelievable rap. People get crazy. Uh, there's a great Billy Crystal story about that, but I won't. We'll get, we're going to save it for part three, because yeah. to be completely where honest with you, we're almost at the two-hour mark. Fuck. And this is the part where... Let um, me plug some please, shit. Please, please, we're going to get into that. Yeah. I'm about to sneeze. Also got to pee. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, do you want to uh, pee now and hold on? I'm about to sneeze. <laughs> oh, sorry about yeah. that. That might be the first double sneeze in inappropriate oral history. So uh, there's going to be a part three with Tony Bartoloni, which is <laughs> unprecedented because I don't think we covered I guess one. to sum up of what I was really trying to say, when I say don't do commercials, I'm just saying reach higher and reach for love you know try to try to put yourself out there in a real way that's scary and try try to make people feel less lonely i think that's the whole thing that really what people that's why people watch shitty tv shows that's why i do it and it's but it's it's like drinking it's like it's like having a cold and drinking corn syrup you know it's 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 not gonna cure you. What's gonna cure you is someone telling you the truth or telling you, giving you something real, you know, that you can actually identify with. Um, See, I'm the opposite of Tony. I say, uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm just gonna throw this out syrup. there to uh, inappropriate oral listeners. Uh, my PayPal address is eastskakel at AOL. You just want to send me some cash, you know. I'll probably, I, I'll actually probably do that. No, no, I'm eventually. No, oh, I thought you meant send me money. No, no, no. I'll open a what do they call it? A Patreon. PayPal. Yeah. Do you know about that? What, what is it? Patreon. It's just you open an account and people could just send you money, and it's like if you're a struggling artist or whatever is supposed to be the idea, or if you have a, a, a upstart or something, you know, just whatever, and you just put your story on there, and people just send you money. I'm down with that. I mean, yeah. you know, this podcast doesn't run itself. <laughs> it actually, it does. All right, now, this is the part of the show where we plug our... Uh, by the way, I'm the complete opposite of Tony and his views on commercials. I say book the... If you're Jewish and there's a, you know, uh, hamburger, you know, you're kosher, eat the fucking burger and get the money. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, at, uh, at Tony Does Comedy on Twitter at Tony Bartoloni on Instagram. Um, Do you have a website? Uh, no, not yet. I'm working on it. It's It'll be up in January. And this will be out tomorrow. And it's, I have the, it's TonyBartoloni.com, but it's not live yet. So uh, and, uh, on that note, uh, I have EarlSkakel.com, but I didn't yeah. renew like five years ago. <laughs> so it's now a gay beauty blog. Uh, I do not endorse. Do you have .net now or what? what's your... Uh, I'm, you know, I found, and I was talking about this with Olivia Grace, the legendary Olivia Grace, uh, the best. Uh, follow her as well at LOL Olivia Grace, Twitter, Instagram, same thing. Uh, she uh, has a website and like videos and all that. I just found that with the advent of uh, Facebook and Twitter and now Instagram, that people weren't going to my website at all. But that's just me. Yeah. So, you know, I just want one so I could submit to uh, comedy festivals and they right. they go, oh, he's got a website. He's a real comedian or whatever. You know, I don't but, know. See, I find like we and me and Olivia yeah. were talking about this, like uh, deleting Facebook and Instagram. And I'm like, you can't because like I've I've known uh, and Twitter. Uh, I've known people who've been signed to 
the biggest management companies in town because they had 20,000 Twitter followers or whatever. Yeah, but do you? You know, Do I? No. Yeah. yeah. But like... Uh, but you know, how would I promote the fucking podcast right. if I couldn't send out a tweet? No, I, I, uh, it was the same as fucking... Yeah. It's a double-edged <laughs> sword. Like, I hate asking people, hey, uh, will you leave a review on iTunes for this podcast? But, like, the bottom line is, like, I know on podcasts, people will go on iTunes and go, yeah. how many reviews does he have? Like Joe Rogan has, like, literally 50,000 reviews. I've got 100. I'm not comparing myself to Rogan. Uh, but, like... Obviously, you want to get there yeah. one day. And it's like, if I had 2,000 reviews, someone from a major management company is going to go, hey, this guy's got a following. I do have a show on Friday that I'm, it's my own show that I'm producing. Where is it? Co-hosting no, at Nerdist, Nerdist School Stage. Uh, it's uh, improvised storytelling. Okay. So, um in the whole you know we it, we it forces people to be in the moment and uh you know just try to be human and and uh work their way through a story I, and it's a comedy show it's funny um so what, that's at the nerdist school nerdist school stage 10 p.m friday night this friday november 4th and the next one will be the first friday in january or in december and then january that's our that's our run so come out to that so we get to keep doing it you after january address, do you? uh not off the top of my head it's next to meltdown yeah right next to meltdown we'll put it you could put it in the info yeah 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 i will uh, yeah. this will be out uh, tomorrow so if you're local in la and uh, you don't you know, every now and then it's good to see a show outside it's of five bucks. Club. Yeah, five bucks. It's worth. It's it. an innovative concept that I I haven't heard of anyone doing. So Tony's great. So all his friends are great. You see a quality lineup, and then yeah, Ed Greer, who's on it. Ed Greer, uh, Rick Wood, um, Paul Lair, and R I don't know how to say her name. Rati Gupta. Oh, I thought you were going to say Paul. I, I feel said, like I, I butchered the fuck out of that name. She was just on fucking uh, Pamela Ad, Ad, um, Adlon's show. So I thought you were going to say she's, Pamela Anderson. So she no, she's, she's doing shit. Um, she was just on a TV show on FX, so come watch her. She's a great storyteller. All right, so come, if you're local in L.A., go to the Nerdist School on Friday. It's somewhat by Guitar Center as well, for those of you who don't know where you know, Nerd Melt is. Yeah. Uh, Off of, uh, was it, right past Gardner? Yeah, it's like Sunset Gardner area. Uh, so, you know, it's, every now and then it's good to see a non-comedy club uh, showing. You know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a real innovative it's just uh, we still don't know what the show is going to turn into. Right. Be a part of something special and new and fun. A lot of funny comics and venues out there. Tony's one of them. And after his show, go to the comedy store that night and see Daddy in his leathers <laughs> selling yeah. out. I'll go with you. Yeah, wearing a Desmond Child and Rouge t-shirt just because I'm a sellout. So, uh, Tony, thank you again. I mean, this totally. has been two hours. It went by like two hours. And uh, we'll do another, th we'll do a part three and anytime. <laughs> Tony might be sure. the new co-host of this show. <laughs> I shouldn't say new co, I don't have a co-host. But uh, it's always great to talk to Tony, uh, the legendary roast battler. We didn't talk that much roast battle today. Uh, but, a little bit. Uh, a little bit, you know, wet the appetites because of last night's actions. And then uh, this has been Inappropriate Earl.
SoundCloud and iTunes. Leave the goddamn review on iTunes. It literally takes two sentences. I just spent two hours with Tony. <laughs> you can spend 20 seconds saying, and I'm not asking you to lie. Don't say, oh, this is the greatest podcast ever. Earl's the funniest guy ever. You got to be honest. It, tell him it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> make it believable. Like, you know, one guy, and he's a fan, and he meant well. It's like, Earl Skakel is the greatest comic ever. It's like, come on, man. Even I don't think that. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I'm pretty high in the hog so uh thank you guys uh you know be uh russell peters coming up uh you know we don't know when but uh you know i'm gonna use that as a credit that i open for russell yeah, peters hey, literally I, I will open up for russell on and off stage i'm so desperate just kidding russell uh earl skakel twitter and instagram at earl skakel that is all